Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on, guys? Today we have the <laughs> wonderful Not much, Jimmy, man. Jimmy Wong. Hey. How's, how's it going? You know, it's, things are going on right now. I'm, uh, I'm hanging out. I'm ready to talk some, some artifacts. So, crazy thing. It is a new year right now. Oh, really? Yeah. It wow. Is, it is 2015. Nice. There are magic spoilers that we haven't looked at yet because... Fate Reforged, guys. So, we are recording this before Christmas, yep. but we're doing it ahead of time. Time because there's going to be some travel in and Wait, people Alex, not in town. You're going a little over my head here. You're saying it's January right now? It's January right now. Like everyone that hears you speaking right now is in January. Wow. They're right. in the future. We're this is like this is like Terminator 2. Right now. <laughs> this is how Skynet. That's, That's what this exciting. is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess right now I am so happy that it's 2015 and I yeah. have a New Year's resolution. I got really cool presents for Christmas. My parents are divorced, so I get double Christmas. Wow, okay. And I'm Jewish, so I also get Hanukkah. I was going to say, like we're, we're not recording this before Christmas, but we are in the middle of Hanukkah. Today is the second so. night of Hanukkah yeah. to give you an exact location. But today of is not right the second night of Hanukkah. No, I mean, it is January. January. Day, day, two of sim- day two of Hanukkah. Very soon. Similar to day two of a Grand Prix. Really? really? How's that? No, no. it's not really. No, no. I, mean, I was hoping for I guess a, the EV fun... is really high. You just get stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so today we are going to be doing the top ten artifacts. So a couple weeks ago we did of modern of modern. Yes, and yeah. I'm here to be the card reader slash provide the EDH picks for each of them because we also did this on our podcast. Right, and so kind of what our plan is is we've done we did the top ten red cards. Um, in modern, and we're going to do a series of the best colors, and then we're going to shuffle it with a series of best types of permanents. So eventually we'll do top 10 enchantments, top 10 red cards, and we'll move our way down the line of top well, 10 Well, well, you did top 10 red cards. And so we probably cards. will make use of, like, top 10 uses of Grand Architect at some point. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One That'll day be your then. July 4th, or I mean your April 1st episode. <laughs> That'd be good. I'd, um, I'd listen to it. After that, because, you know, it's the new year, we want to get it started on the right foot, we're going to do just a brew. Because right now, it's up in the air, because the ban list might happen, favorite Forge cards are coming That's out right. right now, so who knows what modern's going to look like. And I want to tell you guys... Even if you if you start to get annoyed at all with this list, please listen to the brew because it's my favorite brew, honestly, that I've we've ever. We've mentioned it before. Yeah, we, this we, is hunted handsome. We mentioned it in passing. But we've never actually hunted broken it handsome. down. I thought you guys forgot the letter A, and it was supposed to be some kind of like <laughs> you know like I don't know tribal haunted vampire. Oh no, deck. no no no! It's 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 the hunted horse. Well, we'll get there. We'll it's, get there. Okay. It's about Spoilers. as fun of a deck as I've ever gotten to play at a Grand Prix. I tr- I played this deck at a Grand Prix, so I cannot oh. wait to tell you guys about it. Let's get into our list. Well, uh, before we get started, I do want to mention while we were while you were listening right now in the future from our past. <laughs> Uh, please tweet at us. We love hearing what you guys are thinking while you're listening to us. If we say something stupid, please yell at us for being dumb. We yell. don't like our self-esteem, so we Admonish need to be told how, how bad we are at magic. It's true. We make <laughs> rules mistakes all the time on uh, the Command Zone, and sometimes we're just in the middle of like a two-hour podcast, and we just drop something that... Oh, I mean, I would be tweeting your mistakes continuously if I didn't just listen to while I'm driving, and that would get myself killed. But <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, raising the self-esteem of us. But it's true, yeah. Tweet at us, and tweet at you guys, too, because it is important to boost your Twitter following. Right. Also, we are the at the MM cast. Yes, and if you guys are doing uh, uh, subscribing to this on iTunes, positive reviews also help out a lot, uh, or just any kind of constructive thing you have to say. Uh, just having reviews helps boost the 
visibility of the podcast as if, well. If you're listening Even to just it, one, you want honestly. other people to listen to it so that everyone listens to That's it. That's right. You could have the honor of being the first person to review this podcast. You like Maybe I'm going to go we do that cool. right after this podcast so I get that honor. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So now we're going to get to our top 10 list. And a forewarning, do not get offended by these top 10 lists if they do not include your favorite pet artifact because they're by no means definitive. They're just done by two chumps named Alex and Ben. Well, my list is definitive. And in fact, <laughs> in fact if you are offended, please tweet me immediately and tell me why your card is better than mine. Because yeah. I might. Wrong. 60 characters or less. I just might agree with you. That's <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. So, number 10. Uh, Aether Vial. Aether Vial. Want to remind everyone so, what this does? So, well, no, that's your job. Oh, yeah, it's true. It is my job. Hold on. Let me uh, pull that up. Uh, Alex, delete all this stuff, too. <laughs> ah. Aether Vial. I actually just played this in the uh, holiday cube today. Aether Vial. Aether Vial, a one-drop artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on Aether Vial, and you can tap this at any time to put a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counter on charge counters on Aether Vial from your hand onto the battlefield. So I want to explain why it's number 10 instead of below. Let me if just... Ben really wants to talk. I just need to get you <laughs> off because it's super important. Okay. So what happened on my list is that Aether Vial was also, incidentally, my number 10 card. Really? Oh. But... It was not mine. It was, it was Aether Vial slash another card because they both fill the same spot in my mind. Okay. The other mm-hmm. card is Isochron Scepter. And if you have that on your list yeah, later... It's not on my it's list. Fine. not even on my honorable mentions. The reason that I, that I put them both on the list right. together is they're, they're from the same block... They're functionally very similar in the sense that, that players that played with them in standard love them. They're very powerful within their strategies, but they don't see a huge amount of modern play. Well, so, see, so my 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 and if you reason read, for a 10 is, and it was almost kicked off, is that you know, Aether Vial is super powerful in older formats. In Legacy and Vintage, right. it's a, like a, one of the staple cards of those formats. Most of the creature-based decks play them. I think... It's a card that one day will be much more powerful in modern than it yes. maybe is right now. And I think its main limitation is just like counter spells aren't as good as they normally would be. So the need to be able to charge out threats that way. But it does see a significant amount of play in Merfolk. And Merfolk is at least a tier two deck in the format and does see a significant amount of play, especially when not right now where it's combo winter or fall. Yeah. But when, you know, modern kind of settles again, Merfolk will be back and always be on the fringe. And I think Aether Vial is like the stable card for that deck. So to point out what Icecrown Scepter does really fast, Icecrown Scepter is an artifact. Would you like to pull this one up? Jimmy? Oh, I got you. I got you. Icecrown Scepter is a two-drop artifact as imprint. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand. You can pay to and tap Isochron Scepter to copy the exiled card. If you do, you can pay. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So Isochron Scepter is another card similar to Aether Vial. It's probably seen a little less play in modern, but it did. It has seen play before in, in Delver decks. There was a red, white, blue Delver deck that played it for a long time. The common uses are you put in a Lightning Bolt or a Lightning Helix or well, something it, like that it's, on it's, it. It's. I think historically its biggest use was in old extended. Yes. When it was used with uh, Fire and Ice, so you can kind of get the versatility of either getting the tap and down something and draw right. a card, or just mm-hmm. burn a creature out. Um, it has seen, I think, the most the most the, the deck that it's the biggest staple in is actually Turbo Fog, which isn't really a deck in the modern format, right. but is, does exist. Um, and that's because like you can put any of the fogs on it because they're all instant speed Angel and it, song, and, and it just these, like locks yeah. people out or silence fully locks yeah. the player out. So it definitely sees play in that that deck, and we'll probably talk about that deck at some point in right. the future. 
Um, but that is a much more of a fringe strategy. And then I guess it may have saw some play in Geist or like Blu-ray Delver decks back in the day. So yeah, there was there was definitely a deck I, I believe that won like a couple of online uh, PTQs right before a PTQ season, maybe a couple years ago. And this it was it was a red white blue Delver deck, and it was playing this card, and everybody got all you know up in arms about right. it for for a little while, and it got popular. The thing about this card, the reason it's like I wanted a fan to bring it up, favorite for yeah, sure. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. because if you think about it, there's there's uses that are very powerful that you, people just forget about. Like if you can just resolve like say a boomerang on a Isochron Scepter, you're at such like for the rest of the game you have capsized with buyback for two mana right and that's such a hard place for a lot of players to get out of that it is worth noting and mentioning and i just i wanted to i wanted to just include both as my 10 slot because to me they're very kind of similar so you cheated well i do it again later so (laughs) (laughs) let's move on all right well jimmy what's what's the edh commander number 10 uh for me it was skull clamp Oh yeah, yep. well, definitely one of the... <laughs> a very powerful. Card. I'm actually surprised that wasn't number one. It should be number one. I guess I it was Soul a, Ring, but number two. I had a very specific number <laughs> right. one uh, that I think affects more. That because Skull Clamp, there are some decks that may necess- not necessarily need it. Right, you know right. Because I mean? uh, it definitely shines in token decks. So Skull Clamp's just bonkers banned. Yeah, <laughs> so of good. course it's bonkers. It's banned. been banned in every format, I think, but. Vintage and EDH. Yep. And that's why I can play it, and I will play it anytime I can. And Josh's uh, t- number 10 was the Staff of Domination. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Combo, combo Heaven. Combo Heaven, yeah. So definitely already off to a uh, pretty solid start about what I'm actually surprised Staff here. doesn't play, you see, no play, because there is uh, in Elf decks a combo that you can just go infinite with right. it pretty easily. Right, untapping, um, untapping. Just because you just need one creature that makes enough mana, and Elves has right. a few of those. It's one of those it's combo just, cards. It's, like a, yeah, it's one of those yeah, combo yeah. cards that combo decks struggle to want to play it, I think, because it's so mana intensive. Right. It's kind of it's like kind of bad if you don't go into right, it with right, it. So, right, right. but uh, anyway, Skull Clamp would be awesome. If it was in modern. I would play it all the time. <laughs> all right. So number nine, my number nine is Relic of Progenitus. So Ooh, weird. That's wait, also that's my number nine. Yes. Really? How did that happen? <laughs> hey, you guys are the same. This is gonna be a short podcast. It's like mind well, mind melding right now. Well, well, the thing with ten and nine, I think the reason is this actually sees a significant amount of play, but yeah. it's also kind of a sideboard card. Kind. Of, it's a main deck yeah, card. Decks played in the main. Like, either, like, Tron decks fully just blatantly yeah. played in the main, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, nowadays, because of the Delve cards and because of, right. um, you know, cards like Tarmogarf, Snapcatcher, it sees some play main deck generally. Yeah. Right. And so, it's just, well, yeah, well, let's... What Relic of Progenitus is a one-drop artifact, very low-costed as well. Uh, you can tap it to make a target player exile a card from his or her graveyard, or you can pay one to exile the Relic of Progenitus, and you exile all cards from all graveyards. And the, the whammer, the most important <laughs> part to me, draw a card. Right. Well, that and that's why Tron plays it. It's kind of their cantrip for value, mm-hmm. and it just like gets rid of Tarmogoy for at least, if not immediately, for a while. Because right. you can do it in response to them doing something, and then just kill it into right. a block or something. But like, it, it really just it's it's a versatile card, and having cantrip on a card just adds so much value to any effect. Absolutely. It's it's a really really good card. I mean, it, it's definitely the reason that it made my list was because it can be played. It's it's one of these effects that every color wants but ultimately not every color historically has gotten graveyard hate right, that's good right, right. and so you can cycle this it's it's just good every color wants to be and, able to play and i kind of included this as my favorite there are a few of these low cost artifact graveyard removal spells yeah and i think the, the one that might be the most contentious and the one that i argued with maybe putting instead was graft digger's cage yeah uh mm-hmm. because it's just so much more stronger against more strong against pod decks but i felt like relic is a main deck card just around the around the yeah. board and many more decks and just in general is played more because of that card draw effect. And yeah, just, definitely. It, 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 you know, like there is, um, 
Tormod's Crypt. There's, there's Nile Spellbomb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's other there's other cards that do it, but this ultimately for for the cost for what it does for drawing you a card, it's right. the most versatile and goes in every deck. So, yeah. like I wish it, it was in standard right now, man. All those Sidisi Whip decks. Oh yeah. Well, Tormod's Crypt, which is I mean, that thing doesn't Tolaria West can search for it. So and Alex loves Tolaria West. Number nine for the EDH side of things would be Gilded Lotus from me. I think the okay. ultimate uh, big fatty of making mana, plus it's any color. Uh, and then for Josh, it would be the uh, the combo of the altars, Phyrexian and Ashnod's Altar. Uh, okay. Both of which you can sack creatures to it to create either two colorless mana in Ashnod's Altar's case, and one color mana of any choice with Phyrexian Altar. We, both the altars are not legal, but very strong cards, and if yeah. they were, we'd probably see some out yeah. of play. I mean, the... really, I think the idea between that, that would just be, it would be, quote-unquote, sack outlet. Right. And the best of the sack outlets, we think, are the ones that create more mana for EDH. Sure, sure. yeah. Well, very free mana is as, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As is the, the Lotus, and, you know, ramp is a huge part of artifacts. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that... Yeah, those are it's good. They're very, very, right. very good cards. <laughs> exactly. I wish we could play them in modern. Once again, we can't. Just saying, we're having a little more fun over here. At least Gilded Lotus is legal. I've never seen it played in modern. I think I've seen Travis Wu try and play it. Travis Wu, for Travis, those who is like someone brewer, who's yeah. famous for coming out with crazy brews. Yeah. Um, so, next, uh, number eight. Do you want to go with number eight this time first? or? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll lead. Uh, Crucible of Worlds. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of my favorite Worlds. cards ever. And so similar to like when I had my opinions about the, the red list we did, this is one of the cards that virtually sees no play in modern. I mean, I think I think when um, Aggro Loam, really? it'll see Aggro Loam play sometimes. There are a few decks that like have it in sideboard as plans against Tron. or like right. it, It's a decent sideboard card. I, I actually have it in my honorable mentions. I think it's a card that is vastly powerful that just doesn't have, have the right land card or the right home to kind of see play in. Well, that's why, right. and so that's why, I, I, this is a similar thing that I was talking about with the red list where I notice a card that is so powerful and is so unique and does something that nothing else can do and does create your ability to get value out of a card type that doesn't often get value. So cards like Horizon Canopy or e- even just like if you can set up a situation where you can just ghost quarter somebody repeatedly right. because they don't have enough basics in their deck. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely uses for this card. Nobody seems to be able to figure out the best one. It's a super powerful card, though. Right. It's just a three-drop artifact for those that you don't know that you just let you play lands from your graveyard. Right. Which, like, the, the effect it that... It seems like it needs too much of a setup cost, and that turn and that time spent in modern would be much better used otherwise normally. Well, so so the things you use it for are, like, the decks that probably make the best advantage are decks that use strip mine, or strip mine effects. So, like, right. um, the so most like famous one is Ghost, Ghost Quarter. Quarter. Yeah. So, like... Where you can cycle through the deck, and if you have the lockdown effects of like what Hate Bears kind of does, where it makes so your opponents can't search their library, you can kind of start just straight up strip mining them, or you know Tectonic Edge or like other cards. Like there needs to be some a land that comes into play and gains you value, mm-hmm. or when it leaves play gains you value, and that's what Crucible does the best in. And that a land that is powerful enough for that has been printed, or it's too um, it's too inconsistent of an effect to count on. Makes sense. Yeah, it just I think the reason it appeals to EDH players, and this was also one of our uh, honorable mentions, is that it feels very built around me. Well, in EDH, also strip mine is legal, which is just yeah. like Ghost Quarter doesn't work like strip mine. Like strip mine is a stupid card that is yeah. shouldn't be have ever been printed, but with Crucible can just straight out kill opponents. It's true. Um, versus Ghost Quarter, which like is cute and like is very strong against some decks like Valakut if you mm-hmm. don't have locks out, and but then it needs actual locks to kind of make right. it happen. Right, right, right. Um, Number eight for us was a it's a rehash. It was I said the altars and Josh said skull clamp. Okay, so we've covered them. We've okay. covered yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So right. so my number eight, 
All right. Skipped me. <laughs> way to go. Yeah, way to go, We Jimmy. skipped you because I don't, Wong is taking over. Wong He's... is taking over the cast I right know. now. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Zone. It's your host, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, my number eight is Worm Coil Engine. Number eight? Yeah, number eight. Number eight? Engine. By the way, Worm Coil Engine is a six-drop artifact worm, and it has Death Touch and Lifelink, and when it dies, it spawns two little babies. One of them, a 3-3 colorless worm artifact with Death Touch, and the other has Lifelink. It's so a 6-6. Six, 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 yeah. by, by babies, Jimmy means it gets tokens. It gets tokens, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, babies. It, physical babies. It, it recreates itself <laughs> in the two forms of itself, but halved. So this is kind of the Very staple flavor. fatty out of Tron. And mm-hmm. on top of that, it, you know, it's it's so powerful when it lands the battlefield. I mean, I, uh, based off of Ben's reaction, I think he has it much higher than I do. <laughs> um, but, you know, you play it, once it's in the battlefield, it completely dominates the game. It's a little expensive. It's arguably the best of the seven titans, mm-hmm. or six titans. Maybe oh, they not were as good as... the same. No, it wasn't. It was released literally f- two months later. Gotcha. So the original titans were released in M13, uh, 12? 11. 11. 11. And then, yeah, Scars 11. And, and then Scars of Mirrodin comes out and, and Warm Coil Engine was printed. Um, and the joke was that they're all like the same family because they're just big six drops that gain so much value when gotcha. they come into play. Gotcha. Which is why when M15, when they printed the like Soul of cards, they actually made a colorless one this time. Right, right, right. As opposed right, right. to the yeah. Soul of New Phyrexia. Um, so, Ben, why, why do you love this card? Or do you want to talk about when we get it to the, the head of the list? Uh, Worm Coil Engine? <laughs> yeah. Why do I love it? Uh, I love this card. I mean, it's obvious. How would you not love this card? Like they, We talked about recently how life gain was bad for a long time, and then they printed two cards within the span of one one block that both had similar effects that were mm-hmm. both, and I will get the other one maybe later, but right. this one is, I mean, it's 6-6. Six, six. First of all, in just a colorless 6-6 six, six for 6 that has Death Touch and Lifelink, even without the other ability, that's probably not modern playable, but it's already very good. The fact that when it dies, you get two other creatures out of it is right. totally... It's resistant to removal. It's kind of the perfect control card because you can play it, and then even if they deal with it somehow, you are still ahead because you have a mm-hmm. Death Touch on Lifelink 3-3. It's just like a bananas card. Right. It also it is... demands removal so, three times in a row. And the interesting, <laughs> like, we haven't talked about Tron yet. Maybe. Because <laughs> this yeah. is the future. <laughs> yeah, but, things are shaking um, in the future. You know... The fact that they can get it out on turn three with the Urzatron lands yeah, right, in right. Tron decks is what makes it so dangerous in the mm-hmm. format, where it's like a threat of a, a turn three, six, six, lifelink, death touch in like that, like even if you kill it, comes back with more value is so de- deadly that like it's, yeah. it's definitely one of the top 10 artifacts. It's like a, it's format. a three for one almost every single time right. you play it, uh, unless they can exile it or remove it some other way. Um. So next on the list, I'm going to go back to the original order. Uh, number seven, um, I have Arcbound Ravager. Ooh, a two-drop okay. artifact creature that's zero-zero, but it has modular one, so it comes into play with a plus-one, plus-one counter in it. And when it dies, you can move those plus-one, plus-one counters to any one creature, target artifact creature. But the big one is, is you can sacrifice a artifact and play a plus-one, plus-one counter on Arcbound Ravager. Right, so, you know, this is the big daddy affinity card. This is the face of the deck. We talked about the deck, you know, in the first episode of this podcast. That's how we opened up the, you know, Masters of Modern was with Arcbound Ravager. Mm-hmm. This guy just lets you, you know, in affinity decks, lets you win out of nowhere and makes any card you have, any attacker, a super big threat. It makes every little land card, everything into, like, just damage that is impossible to get through and can just, if an opponent taps out, you're just dead because this card's in the play. It's super, super good. Um, I'm not going to reveal where Worm Coil was on my list. We'll get to it when we get okay. to it. Uh, this is also on my list, of course. Right. This, for me, is 
number six. Okay. So this would be my next card. Okay. But nice. uh, yeah, it's I agree. I think Ravager, and I, I looked at Ravager because the other obvious card that would be an Affinity, I don't know if this is in your list, is Craniplating. That's the other one that's like uh-huh. of the two. It's on my list. Okay. So what you said is the face of Affinity. So, I mean, going a step further. Right. Well, I was thinking the face of Affinity because it's a creature because that has a, creature. a face. So, <laughs> so like but cranial plating is someone's head, and it's. Uh, I'm just kidding. So in terms of in terms of That's power the hat, level, the crown of affinity, gotcha. you got jewel, crown jewel. <laughs> you guys know that from last time how kind of like averse to including cards that have a narrow purpose in a powerful deck, which I'm just contradicted by putting Crucible on my list. Right. But like how I don't like putting Splinter Twin on my list because mm-hmm. I think it's a bad card without the combo, which I know is that's a hard. I can debate that all day. But the thing is with this card, I'm like even if I'm not in affinity. This is one of the most efficient artifact sack outlets that's ever been printed. Oh yeah, and yep. they're very rare. Is the thing I've tried to. I love artifacts. It's my favorite card type. I am constantly trying to build decks that take advantage of any number of bad cards <laughs> that are artifacts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> constantly, just constantly. And this is one of the cards that you always come back to, and you're like, well, I'm not really. Uh, you meant Grand Architect, I'm assuming. I 100% meant Grand Architect. Um, Damn it, joke ruined. cutting that out too, Alex. <laughs> Grand Architect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is, it's good as a creature, it's good in Affinity, but it's also, there's, they constantly will print value artifacts that if they go to the graveyard, something happens, and this right. is always going to be one of the most efficient ways to take advantage of that. Do people play Mirror Retriever in Modern? No. No. Come on, it'd be sweet. Get all that recursion. Yeah, but it costs two mana, and like, their two mana threats are this, and and. And cards that win the game when like, they, like, attack yeah, with them. Yeah. It's I not really so. good enough, but I I do think that Ravager, as well as being outside of Affinity, it can be played. Like you, right. you people will find uses for this card that are not just Affinity. Right. And, and you know, it's the reason I put it. It's not number one, two, three, is because I think it is a little less. You know, it is just Affinity is pretty much the main deck that it sees playing. I think that. As you said, a great sack outlet for artifacts is really important. I also just think it's one of the reasons that deck has been dominant since the beginning of the deck. Agreed. It's one of the most important cards. That's why I like my big daddy greater Gargadon. That's my favorite sack outlet. I love it. Yeah, we talked about Gargadon the last one. It's yeah. on my honorable yeah, mentions. Yeah. I love I love Gargadon. That's uh, a good guy. My number seven is Batterskull. Oh, Batterskull. Uh, and I don't know if you have Batterskull on your list, but I... But how could you not? Later. I'm surprised yeah. this wasn't actually on our EDH list, but Batterskull is a five-drop artifact living weapon equipment. So when it comes on the battlefield, you equip it to a 0-0 black germ creature. And equipped creature gets plus four, plus four, has vigilance and lifelink. We should just have you read every card in Magic's history and we just have a soundboard that we can play you yeah, that's right. in our other It's episodes. like you'll be like, living Let's... weapon. When this equipment enters the... Battlefield. <laughs> Let's pencil you in for that recording next week. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'll see you guys. Well, I'm doing 20 years plus yeah. of cards. You okay, and great. Diesel. We'll, we'll I'll cover be reading like the dumbest commons from we also homelands. Need it in other languages. Yeah. We'll cover oh, yeah. starter. <laughs> we'll cover starter and portal one next yeah. week. Oh, gosh. Um, um, also importantly has an ability where you can pay three and return it to its owner's hand, so it is resilient to removal and it costs five to equip. But really, you're not going to be equipping this too often. Well, so fun story about Batterskull that like. I may have mentioned on the episode, oh, a previous episode, but Batterskull was changed last minute. Mm-hmm. Originally what it was, it was, it was a five for the germ, four, four lifelink, all of that business. But instead of three to return it to your hand, it was eight to create a new germ token that was already equipped to. Oh, interesting. So oh, originally so when it was printed, it would be then. five, it would just be five and five, and mm-hmm. then you would just pay eight mana to make, to make a new one. germ token that it's already attached to. They changed last minute because they didn't think it was good enough. Not realizing, oh, now it makes this indestructible threat that you can't get rid of. You that, can't get, yeah. Especially at the time, a combination with Stoneforge Mystic just makes it, like, 
undefeatable. Right. It, it flashes in at instant speed, uncounterable, and on top of that, can't be killed. Right. It's called the Stoneblade deck or something? Uh, in Legacy, it's called Stoneblade. Yeah, yeah. Stone in in yeah. Standard, it was Cawblade. The hilarious uh, part of that is that like when it was in Standard, and this was one of the few times in this the was history. In standard? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Stoneforge Mystic and Batter Skull. And, and Jace the Mind Sculptor. Okay. <laughs> like, it's one of those, it's one of the few times in Magic's history that in the middle of a, a Standard season, Maybe Wizards banned, banned multiple cards. Right, they yeah. banned Jace and Stoneforge Mystic. For right? the record, yeah, the time before that that happened was when Ark found Red, which for sure was in Standard and it was with all of his friends. Yeah, you guys just had a lot of fun. Batter Skull was, days, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could play a deck that actually legitimately played Stoneforge Mystic, Batter Skull, Jace the Mind Sculptor, and Mana Leak in Standard. That was a and thing. Ponder and, and Preordain yeah. at the same time. It was so unfair. <laughs> I think actually the deck eventually evolved to like... by Siege Rhino now. Right, like Splinter that. Twin and Kiki Jiki. Inquisition was all, like, of Kozilek Inquis- right. was in the deck. Yeah. <laughs> People like called it Dark Blade. They play like Duresses. It was like so crazy. Literally like decks for the most part or like decks that would be too good to be played in modern right, right. Standard that was the point. season that I was playing standard Grand Architect <laughs> and I took it to a standard PTQ and I beat two Cobblade decks that tournament nice. congratulations yeah. the season. Um, so on to you know one of the reasons Batter Skull is just so dominant is like we mentioned it's an indestructible threat once you get to play in modern it's much more of a control card because mm-hmm. it's a you know control wants threats that it can rely on and you can play it and as long as you play it at eight mana they're not going to be able to kill it right. even if they try killing it you gain the card advantage kind of has that pearl like ancient thing going right for it. exactly but this has vigilance and life and you can pay play it for five and it like it'll just save you out of games if you right, needed to right. if you're playing against the deck that doesn't have artifact hate artifact hate you can you know, just kind of play it out there and start winning very quickly. Vigilance is good, so it's defensive and aggressive. It's yep. just, it all it does really everything a control deck would ever want it to do. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, it's four toughness as well, which makes killing it the first time resilient to Lightning Bolt. It right. gets a round it, path. Abruptigate they, kills the germ, but yeah. you can get it back. Now, I've definitely played this card in multiple formats, and what I find is that as good of a card as it is, it's it's cumbersome and slow to, to like, if they do remove the token or something, they say, let's say I've had the, I've bounced the token before and I've gone against it. It does kind of take a second to get the thing back online. It's a lot of mana and it's a little slow and you can get around it. It's just a pain to get around. Right. Um, and if it's something they can keep doing and you have to keep drawing answers for, chances are they're going to be coming out on top. Right. Especially I, if they're being I have this as, I'll just say where I have it. I have it as my number four. Oh, okay. So it's pretty high. It, I honestly think it's like, when we were talking, we talked about before this, it was like there's four or five actual powerful artifacts and mm-hmm. then there's, like five to ten more like role players. I think this is one of the five powerful. Actually, powerful. Right. That's interesting. I mean, I obviously my my positioning of the two cards is like a little switch. Right, Basically, right. Wormcoil. I have the same kind of idea, but mm-hmm. um, I was thinking Wormcoil is more powerful. I, I mean, uh, they have their pluses and their minuses. We we can well, Wormcoil has a definitive home. Well, yeah, and, and, and Batter Skull, Batter Skull is just in every sideboard <laughs> that needs it. And, and but I think Batter Skull sees more play in more decks. Yes, because Tron is not as much more as popular a deck as something like Blue White Red. Yes. All right, and of course I have to put my opinion in here because it matters, guys. Number seven for Jimmy's top ten of Commander Artifacts, Cauldron of Souls. <laughs> It's awesome. I don't even know what that does. Why? It's the it's the five minute persist can, one for me from Shadowmore. Oh, 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 creatures that, that persist. persist. No, no, you get to choose. Oh, 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 oh okay. Yeah, so you could essentially, it's like yeah. the anti-board wipe. It has this amazing, um, I'll read the exact text here. Um, what? I mean. You can tap it to choose okay. any number of target creatures, and each of those creatures gains persist until end of turn. So in Commander, when you're constantly getting wiped, or you want to do something political, you could potentially even save someone else's stuff on the other side of the table if you want it to come back. Right. So there's a lot of politicking involved with that. Um, and for Joshua, it was the soul of new Phyrexia for a very similar reason that it protects you from board wipes in the bin 
as, as well. Okay. I think Slow of Infraction is awesome, by the way. It's not, I don't think it's modern playable, but oh, I, I don't do. I think it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, com- it's a commander only card. Yeah, well, I have thought before, we've, and we've, met, we always mentioned it off the cuff. There's this format we play, Highland Roulette, but it's, it's a hundred card one on one competitive format with no commander, just 20 life. And I've thought before about like tribal decks, like I was going to build a Slivers deck. And I was thinking, as a six drop in any number of like multicolored kind of aggressive decks, I don't think that this would be the worst card in the world to play. Right. Yeah. And that's it's that's an, it's an auto win for like probably eighty percent of the decks I build, just because you need to have protection. protection. Yeah. 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 Always use protection, kids. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Number six for you, Kessler. Number six. Now this is one of my favorite favorite cards. Uh, it is Spellskite. Spell what? Yeah. Spellskite's your number six. Yeah. What the heck's so your number powerful. one? Oh, is your Spellskate number six? I, I, <laughs> or number one? Did I'm just... not going to get into my list until we get down to the list. <laughs> All right, but so Spellskite. Spellskite is number six. So two Spellskite, drop. yeah. It's a zero four artifact creature horror, and for one Phyrexian mana, you can pay either with two life or with blue, so you can literally play this in any deck. Change a target of target spell or ability to Spellskite. So this is w- such a powerful card, and what it really does is just protects things. That's its an initial value, but in modern, there are a few decks that also just completely dominates. Like, Noggles can't beat this card. Uh, what is Splinter that word? Splinter Swin has Kessler, a huge... I'm going to step in front of you here. Right. I, I am gonna, This is my number one card. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take lead talking about this. I'm not going to let you steal my thunder on this. Yeah, because this go. Is, take the thunder. Yeah. So, Spellskite. It's not just good against the format. <laughs> I've played multiple decks in Modern Brews where Spellskite's a four of in the main deck. Like, it's it's so good. It's so good. It it like it blocks things. Any any creature based <laughs> deck where you're playing a really really important threat, it protects. I, half the decks in the format can't get through it without they need to remove it. I mean, it's so it can be played in any color. You can pay two life to redirect. Like what card in modern goes in more decks than this one card that's an artifact? What card goes into more decks? This is in almost every single deck sideboard is at least three of, and you can play it. You I mean, can lightning bolt, but. <laughs> It's not colorless. <laughs> but it goes with more decks. What artifact? There is no artifact you can think of in modern that is going to see more play in more decks that you could actually justify playing in the main deck. In Hunted Handsome, a fantastic deck. <laughs> no. Spellskite is a pretty good card. It's, it's so one that good. I always want to get for EDH, but the price tag on it makes me go, eh, counterspell. <laughs> I mean, so what it comes down to, it shuts down many decks. It's very strong. It blocks. It's one of the best defensive cards in the format. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah, having a 0-4 body for two is also very handy. Uh, it, it's not as relevant sometimes because there are not that many g- aggressive decks on the ground. Because mm-hmm. Affinity is the main aggressive deck, its blocking ability is a, important, but not... If you're playing it f- as a blocker, it's not the strongest card you could be playing in the slot. Right. But what it's good against is stealing... Uh, like there are so many targeted effects in the format that from it stops it's like a counter the lightning bolt as I just mentioned the most played card in the format yeah mm-hmm. on top of it also can steal uh, Splinter Twin so Splinter Twin can't beat you through it right Noggles which is the enchantment hexproof deck all of its threats you just like they can't beat it they literally you shut them down and you can just beat them while it's in play also it can steal Arcbound Ravager modular tokens when you when it, you zack right. that yeah, card yeah, yeah. And you try to put it and it's like trying to target with modular you can just steal them and put them on spells okay. this Kill card me. is in the top three magic cards ever printed just kidding <laughs> but we, it's, this is better e- than moxes can we equip batter skull to it yeah, yeah i have i have many times it's for you eight. can't you can't steal other people equipping though because you can only yeah. equip ah. targeting your you your can only equip, so you can't do anything that can't target it gotcha so like if if you're doing like destroy target like uh go for the throat uh-huh. you can't redirect it to spell sky because go for the throat only kills non-artifact creatures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um this card houses burn decks burn decks like 
oh my goodness, when you play against like a, like a Boros deck or something like right. that, they're trying. They can't get thrown on the ground or. Oh my the, god! Yeah. I mean, they play. They play all of their targeted removal. You can make at the very, very, very least Take two damage. Cards. Right. Right. Or if you can pay for it, you can just yeah. It's just just crazy. This card's so good. Anyway. Um, so what's your what's your number? <laughs> what's your number six. Ben? We already we well we talked about my number six already was uh, was Ravager. Okay, so, so we can move on. Or what's 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 the commander? <laughs> Everyone six. always seems to forget about the commander kids over here. <laughs> I, kids. Hope, I hope I wasn't too passionate just there for you. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Uh, my number six was Lightning Greaves. Great card. Uh, Great card. Yeah. Actually, that was, that was on my like original writing down every good card in, that's legal yeah. in modern list. Oh, it's modern. Thank goodness that this is legal. Right. Well, Jeez. so so if I were to play it, the deck that I've always brewed in my head and have never took into a tournament, and I don't know if I would, is the... Sovereigns of Lost Alara? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it does work. You don't need it there because you can attack with the first thing, but what mm-hmm. is the like Tesserator... You uh, use this and the guy that can sack three artifacts to put Blightsteel Colossus right, in play. Right, right. So you have that in play. You play that guy. Kadolfa give it Forge haste. Master, Kadol- right? Yeah, Kadolfa yeah. Forge Master. You play Kadolfa Forge Master. Give it haste. Sack three artifacts, including maybe even itself. Bring in Blightsteel. Equip it to Blightsteel mm-hmm. and win. So it's like a turn five auto kill. It's just... And turn four, because you're probably playing Mana Ramp, it's just kind of loose. Isn't that horrible to like Path to Exile and Cryptic Command? Great, exactly. Path, path just exiles Blightsteel Colossus and then Cryptic right, Command There's a reason bounces. I don't play this deck. <laughs> yeah, it is it's I feel like games two and three does not fare very well. But this is the deck I would imagine that sure. Lightning Greaves is the most powerful. Right. In the and, uh, it does like the most unfair thing. Josh's number six was Mind's Eye. Which, uh, That's you play, you draw a, a card five drop and you, and you, gain a life you, you get to pay one mana every time an opponent draws a card. Right. Yeah. And then you can draw a card as well. It is, uh, Lightning Graves should be noted, is very good if you've ever tried to build the uh, Peely Paul Grand Architect. <laughs> <laughs> well, only because, only, only because on turn three, Architect casts it off of himself and then equips to himself. So then you don't remove him. And then right. with Peely Paul's ability, the, even though it's an untap ability to generate the mana, uh, you can give him haste to then attack. And have the untapped ability to turn. So it speeds up both of your creatures and protects both pieces of your combo. So it is relevant in that sense. I've seen people try to build that deck. Right, before. right, right. So people. Myself. Won't go down. <laughs> <laughs> that aren't Ben Baby. <laughs> so moving on. Let's talk about the royal we here. Right, right, number right. five. Ben, let's start with you because it seems like Alex Kessler has been stealing your thunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just a little bit. So Get this, out of here, thunder if you, stealer. If you, he was mad that Spellskite was my number six. He's I just so can't believe it. Five. <laughs> well, maybe some other uh, people will be mad too. Tweet at us at the MMCast. All right, Ben, what's your number five? <laughs> my number five is a card that actually was in the original Hunted Handsome list, and we'll get there, uh, Engineer Explosives. Engineered Explosives. Now, I don't think many people know exactly what this does. It was reprinted in Modern Masters. It's an X-Drop artifact with Sunburst. So it enters the battlefield with a charge counter for each color of mana spent to cast it. Uh, In Modern Masters, this would be like your Trump to the Domain's five-color deck. Um, You can pay two mana to sacrifice Engineered Explosives, destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Engineered Explosives. So this is objectively... Not objectively. This is subjectively one of my favorite cards, probably of all time. It it's can be it can be searched list, for with Teleria West yes, for the record. A, and Trinket Mage. And Trinket Mage. My yeah, favorite that's true. thing, toolbox. And it's like the reason you do toolbox. Plus you can recycle it with Academy Ruins. A friend of the podcast, Eric Whitehats, we were just talking and he asked what my favorite magic card was. And it, it's probably Academy Ruins, which can recycle engineers it just locks out decks it's, it's one of the soft locks of the format right i have taken this combo to a ptq multiple times uh my, i think my one of my best finishes uh was off of the back of a Teleria west into academy ruins into engineered explosives deck yep um and 
It's not on my list just because I don't. It's not played by anything. It's really powerful. I yeah, just doesn't that see a interaction lot of play. is played in Hunted Handsome, for the record. <laughs> it was in the old version. <laughs> so when you say anything, what do you mean exactly? Uh, that is that is my a number deck five. That is one a tournament. Yeah, at, from F and M above. <laughs> um, I will talk about Engineering Explosives really quickly. Why yeah. I like it so much and why it's good. Uh, EE, as it's often referred to, is uh, <laughs> is great at killing tokens. First of all, True. which is one of the important uses. Two because mana you can kill all tokens. Yeah, you can play for zero. Uh, it's great against any kind of like we talked about Soul Sisters last week. Any of these decks that try to overrun you with one and two drops. This is another deck that's good against Noggles because all their cards are one yeah, drops. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's 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 very it's. Against decks that have redundant, uh, like sort of swarm strategies in their permanence, where it's like similar casting costs, you can very often get like a two or a three for one out of it. Right. Uh, and it is cheap, so you can search for it with a an academy, like we said, Teleria West with Trinket Mage. You can recycle it with Academy Ruins. It creates interesting situations, and it's right. a, it's kind of a card that I think people don't see coming very often. I think it actually probably could see a lot more play in the format. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, you know, two mana to kill all tokens. Three mana to kill, which includes Batter Skull Germs. Uh, three mana to kill all one drops, which is very strong. Uh, four mana to kill all two drops, which is even stronger. Like, there are many relevant uses up to this. Super like, good against Merfolk. Right. Super good against Merfolk. Super good against Delver right yep. now, if you think about it. I yep. mean, it's a little mana intensive, and countering is always a problem. But, like, on one mana, you kill their Delver. On zero mana, you can kill all their one ones. And on two mana, you kill. Um, uh, Pyromancer. Yeah, so it's, like it's good. It's definitely it's. This, I mean, the, the tokens thing I think is probably more more often than not in a format like this where you'd see the use. Right. Just because there's so many. You know, the deck is the the format of Monitor is so streamlined to being so much about one, two, and three drops that yeah. it's powerful there. Um, I actually play this card in Legacy main deck because I play Miracles, but I play a weird enchantment artifact tutoring miracle deck. Does it play Trinket Mage? Uh, does not, but it does play for Enlightened Tutors. Ah, okay. So that's how it goes. I wish you were playing Trinket Mage in Legacy. Well, it's I, I would have made, yeah. made fun of you. But, right, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> You're number five? Um, my number five is Darksteel Citadel. Nice. It is an indestructible land that adds one colorless. Ben mana. is dying. <laughs> Darksteel <laughs> Citadel! A, a freaking colorless artifact land? Hey, it doesn't come to play tapped. I wrote tw- there's, there's, <laughs> there, are, there are 20 cards on this list right now. Darksteel Citadel is not even on it. It's it's. It, I pulled it. It's in my sideboard like options. It's like card number 34 or something like so, that. So here's here. It's, it's a two-sided thing. One of them is the fact that this card... I'm using as a representative of, like, the only vestige of a banned list set that, like, this is the only card that's legal of, like, five cards that are all very powerful. Yes. Not to mention, it's the only real soul land in the entire format of Modern, really, other than maybe the Tron lands if you assemble the combo. Mm-hmm. It taps for two mana in Ma- in, in Affinity. That's just blatantly what it's doing. Plus, it's the fi- it, it's their new threat. It's, like, the 5-5 five, five that gets attached right, to right, it. Right, right, right. There it's, is that. It, it, it's an indestructible thing. Like, when you're playing Affinity, Darkseid Citadel has now become one of the most important cards in the deck because of the new enchantment because it ramps them because of all the like the 10 different things it does but does that important. make it number five out of yes. the top 10 yeah it's an artifact land the artifact lands are one of the most powerful cards ever printed this is just the only one we have available to us in modern you basically like, you basically looked at modern and you were like the one artifact deck in modern that's really good is affinity so three of my top 10 cards are going to be cards that make affinity good that's that's, that's yes well, it comes down to it there's really only two artifact decks in the format really Mm-hmm. Yeah, actual ones. There's Affinity and there's Tron. Tron. And if you look at your list and my list, most of the cards come. You, you could argue come from both of those decks. And then the other, there's like a few sideboard cards and like other ones. That's what Modern is right now. There's a few cards that aren't that. 
My number one definitively is neither of those decks. Yes. I am so curious what your number one is because I wonder if it's even on my list. It's possible it it's not, is. and I have an idea why it wouldn't be, uh, which is like a weird uh, loose you guys like so reason, cute. You but guys we'll get there. I think so I know well. it is. Um, but yeah, Dark Souls Citadel, number five. Nice. It's an artifact land. This is one of the most powerful cards ever printed. Yeah, nothing new from the EDH side. We just your, your, your unassuming looks here... He's looking, he's looking, he's rolling his eyes. This is this supposed is to be why, like it. This is how Artifact Lands got printed in the first place. So we're just like, how bad could they be? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> no one knew. Uh, moving on to number four. Uh, our, our, my list was exhausted on this one. So let's see what you guys got here. Uh, number four, we talked about Batterskull. Batterskull. No, uh, number, and for you, Batterskull's that number was four. your number four? Yeah. Batterskull. My number four is Vidalcan Shackles. My number four okay. is Batterskull again. It's oh, just yeah. like a Vidalcan Shackles. Uh, just drafted this sucker in Modern Masters, and it was a b- 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 blowout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, it was great. The guy tried to put in his suspended uh, giant that makes everything tap down if it's not white. Right, right. I stole it, tapped everything that he had down because he just had red giants, and then I swung for like 12. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Vidalcan Shackles <laughs> is a three-drop artifact. Uh, it's... You may choose not to untap it during your untap step, and for two mana, you can tap it to gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to the number of islands you control for as long as Vidalcan Shackles remains tapped. So. So you can steal stuff. If for my case, you steal stuff, you force it to chump block their stuff, well, this, and then this you card steal something else the next I've turn. Made it at least multiple Pro Tour top eights. This mm-hmm. is a, a classic, very strong card. So the reason yeah. that this card, and I would, I would say the first thing that when I think about this card that I realize is that the concept of this card is great. Playing with this card in reality is super difficult to do correctly uh, because you... It's five mana to get it down and activate. Yeah, and also, like, there are... You might not have enough islands. Yeah, and you also have to think about, like, do I untap it and wait for attack to steal their creature? Do I... Like, there's... You have to really plan out... There are really tricky things you can do with it that it seems unassuming at first, but you don't Mm -hmm. realize, like, oh, I can steal that land that they might attack with, and then... Yeah, and it turns back, and they don't get it back. I mean, it's it's a very difficult card to play correctly, and it's one of the cards that definitely slows the game down during combat where you... Like, your decision tree gets, like, a little bit obnoxious. Yeah, Um, you you enter the tank. Yeah, it's just a very, very powerful card. The The reasons that I gravitate towards this card... A, uh, blue is the best color in Magic, in my opinion. So sure. playing a lot of blue right. when you don't have to complicate your mana base is great. And this yeah, card yeah. is awesome. Yep, um, synergy there. Right. Blood Moon historically has been one of the best cards in Magic. So, or, or it, it was on our top ten red lists. <laughs> yeah, and you can house a lot of decks with that card. This deck will never lose to Blood Moon. Right. Or this card won't be in a deck well, that will lose to the, Blood the, Moon. The, deck, the main deck that plays this deck is... Blue Moon. Yeah, which, which plays Blood Moon. Blood Moon right. and Vidalcan Shackles it's like, is its game plan. Yeah, so that's really powerful. And then on top of that, I mean, it's it's just really difficult for the player if you're in, in any way ahead or you have like instant speed interactive spells for them to get around it because all of a sudden you're you're dictating how the game works. You're dictating right. how combat's going to work. Right. This Blue Moon deck, how do I get a hold of this deck? It, it was sounds... in the top eight of uh, GP... No, no, sorry, Pro, Pro Tour. Tour, Pro Tour um, Game oh. Crash. Sounds Born like... of the Gods. Born of the Gods. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, sounds like back. sounds like my intro to the format would be the Blue Moon deck. <laughs> we had Andrew Brown on the podcast recently, and he's Andrew Brown's like grinding right now to like try to get to that next like 
Right. Yeah, I mean, he's almost there. He's yeah, literally, like, especially in the play group. Yeah. Like we, you've met some of our friends, like Eugene, mm-hmm. where like a significant amount of people in his play group, yeah. have now made it to pro tours. All recently, he's like all he, recently, he's like mm-hmm. right there. So like Andrew is definitely, he's been like the tip of the spear. He's been the guy who's like leading that group for a long time. And I always come to Andrew. Always a bridesmaid, never a yeah. bride. <laughs> I always come to Andrew, and I'm always like, Andrew, I have this sweet new modern brew, and they'll be like, like it used to be a joke. Now he just laughs, and he like, and he's like, do you have it with you? I'm like, no, it's in my head. Uh, <laughs> but like, so one of my favorite modern brews and i've mentioned this on here before was the idea that you would you would uh curve grand architect into master of waves right we've talked mm-hmm. about this before because yeah. we, we did that was the first brew episode we did right? yeah and we thought it was awesome and and i built the deck and then i was like you know what it's mono blue i'm just gonna throw blood in why not like i'll just and that's just the only good card <laughs> i'll just play three blood moons in the deck and andrew was like they thought it was so funny i brought it to, like a testing night when yeah. i played it like won a couple games that every game that won was just off blood moon right. it didn't win any games that i didn't drop blood moon mm-hmm. and then you know here we are like three so months the dolphin shackles well three months later it, it <laughs> right. ends up top eight yeah, yeah, pro yeah. tour i was right. like oh okay i'm, um, I'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I didn't include Vidalkin Shackles on my list, it's not on my list, uh, is two reasons. Um, one, and this is... Because you included Darkstill Citadel <laughs> instead. <laughs> one, because it's kind of a blue card. Kind of. It's an artifact. Let's not talk about... All right, fine. We'll right, right, right. Keep right. going, Kessler. But, but for the actual reason, <laughs> and that's like a looser reason, the real reason is because you told me you are going to put it on your list. And I was like, ah, I don't want to... <laughs> oh, like, okay. Let's limit the amount of doubles. I was yeah. like, I know he's going to put it there. That was the it's only like a, card I mentioned. Like, the only, on the board, he's like, of course you're going to both have, like, you know, Vidalkin Shackles. That's like, well, Ben's going to include reason. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why jo- Josh and I didn't do that, and we ended up... Overlapping on a bunch, but it also means it also means that we sh- are kind of. When I cheated, you I'm know, a cheater. Low, yeah, you are a little bit of a cheater. Come I like on. that your justification for Dark Citadel is that it's related to a cycle of cards that are not legal in modern, <laughs> so it's powerful. Well, no, but it's still like yes. It, my point is that's like some of the prestige that it comes with, but it is one of the most powerful cards in the deck it's in, which is the most powerful artifact deck in the format. Right. Mm-hmm. Moving on, moving, moving on. on. Number four for EDH players, uh, I put duplicate down here. Uh, I actually look at Duplicate. It's probably it, in my larger amount of cards. It sees more Legacy play, oddly mm-hmm. enough, than Modern, Makes just sense. because it, the Soul Lands are in Legacy. Yeah. So Mud plays it. And it's also a six drop. I can't see a game cast. Well, Batter Skull sees play. I mean, the fact that it right. removes a creature and you can also like let it come in and then eat. Like, it's also more relevant because Show and Tell is in Legacy. So right. Like, right. Eat Emrakul. Show and Tell, I eat your Emrakul. Great. Ha-ha. Yeah. yeah. So number number three. We're now in the top three. Top These are three. the three most. Guys, we did cut the top eight. Now we're cut <laughs> so top four. You guys already know my one and my three. Well, what's your three? You my go... three was Worm Coil, and my one was Spellskite. Well, sh- don't talk about one yet. Yeah, okay, three. Right. Okay, Worm Coil. So mine is going to get maybe the same reaction as the uh, cards. Mox Opal. Mox Opal. You... Come on! <laughs> Mox Opal is a zero-drop legendary artifact with Metalcraft. Tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Activate this ability only if you control three or more artifacts. Right, so this is A, one of the most pe- most expensive cards in the format. B, yes. it is also a mox. Bucks. Three, moxes are inherently more powerful than almost any other. Like, that is the most powerful artifact. And not even just on Predigree. Like, Mox Opal itself. What about Jack and the Mox? Any artifact deck is playing it. <laughs> Even if you're like brewing Tesserator lists, Mox o- you play four Mox Opal is like where mm-hmm. you start with that deck. The reason I haven't actually done Tesserator is because I sold my Mox Opals a while back because the guy just made like a hundred bucks on like these cards and just got rid of them. You can't play Mox Opal in any deck other than a deck that's going to take advantage of it on like the first turn or two of the game, which is like a heavily dedicated artifact deck. It has no flexibility whatsoever. It's not good like the other Moxes are good. It's only good in the deck that plays Darksteel Citadel. And... On, on the objective, just pure power level, it's extremely powerful. What it does is extremely powerful. B... 
the decks that do play it are dominant decks in modern. Right now, maybe not because we're in combo hell, but like generally affinity is the one of the major pillars of this format. There's no way in any possible universe that you could convince me that Mox Opal is more powerful than Spellskite. That's crazy. <laughs> That's bananas. I'm you, glad that we're inspiring discussion. Hopefully this inspires you guys to discuss as well. Tweet at us at the Okay, so in a vacuum, I play my deck has Spellskite in it. I play it. It does nothing. In a vacuum, I have Mox Opal in it. My deck is built to use Mox Opal. I play it, and then I win the next turn. <laughs> Uh, I disagree. It, you're forgetting. You're forgetting about the fact that Mox Opal does absolutely nothing against any of the decks that are trying to beat you, whereas Spellskite stops but like seventy percent of them. First, Affinity is all about punching them in the face. That's I think that you're focusing on power of these face. cards. Within Moving the- on to the top three card, Perilous Vault uh, made it for me, and Nevermore's Disc for Josh. So just board wipes. Yeah, both different. Uh, um, on that note, something that. Um, is or was on my and I actually took it off on my honorable mentions, but as a similar vein mm-hmm. is Oblivion Stone. So you know, very similar. That's he's playing modern. That is the board wipe or in the Tron. secondary board wipe. The, the main board wipe out of Blue Tron and the secondary board wipe mm-hmm. out of Green Red ones. Oblivion Stone allows you to put fate counters on permanence, and then you can sacrifice it, and everything without a fate counter on it just goes bye bye. It's very similar to the card you just mentioned. That yes, the, it is. It is similar to um, the Tomb Crypt Wipe Vault. Thing. Oh, Perilous Vault? Yeah. No, it? Perilous Vault is different. Perilous Vault was in M15. Yeah, right, but it, but it's, it's it's an artifact that comes into play, and then for mana, you can tap it to kill everything. Correct. Yeah, and Never Miles Dick's the same right, thing. Right, all all right, three right. kind of do a very similar yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the modern version. In Standard, we have Perilous Vault. In EDH, you have Never Miles Disc. In Modern, mm-hmm. you have... I'm just going to clarify. Right. It's Nevernal's Disc? Nevernal's Disc. Nevernal's Disc? I think see, so. I, see, I liked Perilous Vault in uh, EDH better because it exiles everything. Sure. So it yeah, does get, you know, yeah. Unless you I, need Graveyard. Right, right, right. As well. um, um, so, number two. Uh, and just... <laughs> then you go. <laughs> number two is Birthing Pod. Okay. Birthing yeah, yeah, yeah. Pod. Yeah. <laughs> a very good card. A, uh, so that's, um, that's, that's a staple. That's number one? That's my number one. It was yeah. almost number By one. By the way, right, right. which you said... I think he said something about like but spells guys better. You didn't like another card because it had a color in it, and I was like, "Look at your number one! It's Birthing Pod." Right, but the point is, is that you have to play all islands for the first one True, to play the Birthing shackles. Pod. Like, mind you, it gets played in green decks because the best cards of the Birthing Pod away are green cards, but it's not like a necessary factor. Right, it. So it just hurts really bad. I'm going to apologize to our listeners right now and just say I- I'm not going to argue that Spells Guide is better than Birthing Pod. <laughs> Birthing Pod's a better card than Spells Guide, but Spells Guide sees. <laughs> I know, but you're saying like. Birthing Pod, I, I thought you didn't include it in your list because it was green. That was what I was assuming when you said Spells Guys do number one. Because it's like, there's no way Birthing Pod is not the best artifact in the format. Birthing Pod is three and one green Phyrexian mana, so you can play it again with either one force or two life. And for one and a Phyrexian green mana, you can tap it to sack a creature, and you essentially get another creature with a converted mana cost that's one more than the uh, one you just sacrificed. And you essentially, you can only do it as a sorcery, but it just lets you level up your creatures to the next CMC level. Right. Well, and the decks that play it, we've talked about them. They're all about value. All their creatures either mm-hmm. die or come come into play with value. And, like, it is it is the pillar of the format, I almost want to say. Like, it is yeah. one of the, like, if not the defining card, one of the four main defining cards of the modern format since it, it started seeing play. very powerful. It's surviving in a format that everyone thought it would be bad in. Everyone thought it would be bad in this. Delver combo winter is still one of the top tier decks. Mm-hmm. It's just like, a ridiculously it's just a very good card. card. Like it's the, yeah. it's the card that it before recently you... was the closest card to people considering an actual banning for. Oh, interesting. It, I mean, 
it's super, super, super hard to fight with uh, with narrow like removal strategies. Like if you don't no have the removal can deal with it. Like path is maybe the only one that's very good. Like lightning bolt kills all the creatures come with value, so it's not very good. Abrupt decay can't kill birthing pod, so it goes out the window. Like there's nothing yeah. that really handles it. Um, the decks that play are just very strong in general. Like it right. is one of the defining cards of the format. Yeah, it's yeah. better than Spellskite. But Spellskite, I still <laughs> so can we contend. Pretend Spellskite is your number two, so I can get to my number two. What? No. <laughs> uh, oh yes, Caster's number two. I know what your number two is. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but we haven't really talked about it. Yeah, right, good. So it's cranial plating. Right, cranial plating. another card that's only good in Affinity. Way right. to two go. Two drop artifact <laughs> equipment from Darksteel, correct? No, fifth dawn. I tried really hard, by the way, to not include Let too many Affinity cards. Let me read the card, Castler. <laughs> put four in your top ten. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero for each artifact you control. So again, a very artifact-heavy uh, strategy for, to make this guy work. And for two black, you can attach it to target creature you control. Uh, and also has an equip cost of one. So you can equip it as a sorcery for one or pay one extra uh, specifically in black, uh, two black total, I'm sorry. And you can do it at instant speed. Right, which is the least relevant ability. I mean, it is relevant once in a while, but it's generally right. the least played. The, right. the thing that, you know, if Arcbound Ravager is the face of the deck, if Darksteel Citadel is the, the castle that this deck lives in, mm -hmm. this is the crown jewel, this is what makes the deck as powerful as it is. What's your number one card, Memnite? No. <laughs> <laughs> It was, Ornithopter was so close. It was so close, guys, because you can insole it, and then it becomes it's like zero. a five free creature that flies. It's like a flyer. It's awesome. Um, I mean, this card is obviously powerful. You put on any evasive creature, it ends the game in two hits. Mm -hmm. If it's slow. Right. <laughs> if it's a slow draw. Right. I mean, uh, in concert with the other cards we've mentioned, it's very, very strong. Um, I, In defense of the reason there are so many Affinity cards on this list, Affinity is the major defining archetype that uses our This is true. This is true. Almost mm -hmm. every other card we mentioned, other than maybe the Tron cards, which isn't, like, is a tier two deck really in the format, all the other cards are, you know, sideboard cards or role players or kind of fit in decks for, like, not the main game plan. But, like, Affinity is the deck that we are artifacts. We are here. We are the Marshal of the Machines. Goodbye. You're done. You're mm -hmm. done. And, like... Many of these cards were ban-worthy in standard. This is a deck that was like was banned. Many cards were banned in standard. Many cards are banned right now in modern to make the deck weaker. These are obviously very powerful cards. And yes, in a vacuum, Greeno plating in a deck that doesn't have any artifacts isn't isn't going to be good. But it's so much more powerful than other artifacts when it's doing what it's supposed to that it's so high on my list. I definitely... Uh... When I was making my list, I looked at Ravager and I looked at Plating, and they I I have them connected on my like they they like were number six like slash in the right. same way that I had the, the first two cards, and uh, I, I won't say by any in any way that like I'm against Cranial Plating in the same way that I am against Dark Steel Citadel. <laughs> like I totally to me they're like different conversations. Like like Citadel right. and Mox Opal are like engine cards. This is the card that ends the game. Right. So that I'll give you credit for. I was a little shy about putting too many affinity cards in a list of ten, where I really wanted to talk about cards that I think are super powerful and maybe don't see as much right. play. And I knew you would do that, so I was like, I'm going to yeah. actually pick the most powerful cards in the format. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. So have we talked about Spell Scout yet? Um, it's been. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, so what was your number two before we uh, start talking so about the number two? Cards? So, for one thing, we didn't have birthing pod on there because uh, EDH rules do not allow you to play this just in any deck. Right. Really? So, yeah, it is yeah, because it has green card. in the actual text. Oh. Yeah. So the way know. EDH works is you can only play cards that are in your commander's color value, mm -hmm. whatever gotcha. it's called. And so, if it, you're not playing green, you can't play. One green of the card. only exceptions to this is extort. Uh, because it, the extort cost it doesn't tie it to a color. It just well, no. It, there's other cards. It's it's there's reminder. It's, reminder it's, text. It's yeah. reminder text is what matters. So like, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't want to get too much of this in this podcast. But yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So our number two was scroll rack. 
uh, which is just yeah. for a commander, it's one of the best ways to just either protect yeah. stuff or right. get get more things in your hand. And uh, for me, oh, actually, lightning grids, Josh's. Yeah. So, okay. So we've covered our number two. All right. So number one, spell we've said it. Spell Skite and Birthing Pod. Obviously, Birthing Pod is, is like <laughs> the best artifact in the format by yeah. And it's, like it's your number two very because spell, like I. I I love your 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 <laughs> enthusiasm for Spellskite. I also we have a fondness for Spellskite. For Darksteel Citadel. <laughs> it's it's the best land ever printed. No, it's not the best land ever. Printed. In standard, when Spellskite <laughs> was printed, I went to a PTQ in San Diego and I needed Spellskites that morning. I think the deck I was playing was that was the, that was the Soul Sisters PTQ. Right. And they were everybody wanted them because it was like you know yeah. just come out and I think they were like twelve or thirteen bucks. Oh yeah, and be spec on these guys. Like, I, I still have my original copies, but like yeah, I traded a sword of light and shadow for two spell skites because this guy was just like i'm not giving it to right. anything less and I was wow like, yeah it was a huge bummer but well i mean you came out on top i think yeah in the early. end yeah but spell skites are it's i mean yeah spell skites are now worth 17 17 ish yeah. but they were selling i mean they the were selling worth, a sword is worth i think around 17 no, right it's now 20 21 to 24 okay. but they were selling spell skites right, right, right out right, the right. gate like at the beginning of the day tables were selling for four but by the end of the day, they had raised them to 11 right, because right, they were right. totally sold out. Um, oh, the good old days. Yeah, I mean, both Spellskite sees play in everything. Birthing Pod is... Doesn't see enough like, play as far as I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Birthing Pod is the crown of two different decks. It's the main, you know, like there are two major decks in the format. Really kind of even three. It's a, And that's just the decks that have been found. Birthing Pod is one of those cards that, like will forever be something Wizards has to be worried about when printing new cards. Right. It's the card that is on the list of possibly being banned. And then Spellskite is one of the major valves of the format. It's one of the cards that majorly lets you protect yourself against specific strategies. In the way we always talk about bannings, that when you look at a deck and you're going to ban a card, you ban you ban the engine, you ban the card that doesn't really affect the rest of the format. So if they do print a card in the future that makes Birthing Pod beyond un- like the kind of level of unfair right. it is now, it would be Spellskite that would be the card that would go. Mm-hmm. It would not be the, that. They wouldn't just like Spellskite? print... I'm sorry, Birthing Pod. <laughs> Spellskite is an unfair card. You know, ban Spellskite. It's too powerful. <laughs> Look, I hate to do it to you, Spellskite, but... <laughs> sorry, buddy. You gotta go. And he's like, no, redirect to someone else. No, coming to me. And What's the number one commander card? Uh, for me, it was Chromatic Lantern. Oh, yeah. Great card. Uh, I just think it's just like... Man, it's the, fixing is You good. gotta have the fixing. <laughs> right. Um, you're never unhappy to have that in your opening hand. And Josh's was Solemn Simulacrum. Which I think yeah. is also that was really that was on my honorable mentions list. Yeah, it's a three for one. Solemn is considered one of the best artifacts ever. It's just not great. It's in never modern, seen a lot of play in modern. Right. Exactly. Mono blue for, decks, maybe. I did notice, like when I was yeah. going through the database by casting cost, and I was looking at every card. As soon as I hit four mana, it all of a sudden, like almost none of the cards were on the list anymore. And right. five, like I don't think there's a single five drop yeah. in Batter Scroll, like, and like six set, like there's nothing. No, yeah. it, it was it's like four card. drops. Maybe Solemn was noticeable. Yeah, and then, exactly. And, and mm-hmm. Birthing Pod. And then five drops, Batter, Skull, six drops, Worm Coil, and Jan. And then. Yep. So, so honorable we, mentions. Do you want to, like, ha, ha, like I don't want to talk at length. Like, how do you guys want to just. Let's just, just do a couple, just like three. I have three. And yeah, we mentioned and two a few. of them have been talked about. Yeah. Um, so actually, the only one on my honorable mentions list that we actually didn't talk about is the Sword Cycle. Yeah. And that's on my, my list as well. So, yeah. like, the, Some of the Sword best. of Feast and Famine, Sword of War and Peace, Light Sword and of Light and yeah. Shadow, yeah. Fire and Ice. These are the swords that they give a creature protection from two, two enemy colors. They give it plus two, plus two. And they, when you attack, you get an ability from each of the colors that gets combat protected. damage. As long as combat, combat damage, damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We but were just, all amazing, and they're all amazing in uh, EDH too. So those were on our. We, we were trying to figure out what we thought the best sword was for modern, and it's definitely. I mean, 
I think it's color dependent. If you're playing blue, I think it's black green personally because right. you you have the ability to hold up counter magic always and still play threats. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, like light and shadow the most. I think light and shadow is really light good. and shadow is very good for value purposes. And I think uh, fire and ice is just objectively the most powerful in all decks that aren't playing. But blue. what about the one that makes you mill? There's th- there, there's three I mean, good swords and two mediocre swords. Is basically the way. When that it comes works. down to it, actually, no, no, no. A gr- the green blue one for a while and might still be true. Uh, I don't think right now is mm-hmm. the best one in Legacy. Because yeah. it, it fights Jace and Tarmogoyf, which are, like, who cares about... And, and milling in 60-card decks in Legacy, there's only, like, two decks that that really matters for. Mm-hmm. So, like, being able to go around Tarmogoyf and Jace is extremely important. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. So the Sword Cycle. Uh, another card that was on my list that we didn't include was Ethers Weren't Canonist. Uh, the reason I didn't include that is just it's been... There are better cards now. There aren't artifacts anymore. Like, there's the 1-4 that does kind of what it does anyway. The Rule of Law 1-4. Uh, Players can only play one card per turn. And it's a 1-4 and just is better than Ethers 1 candidates. But it costs more than 2. It costs 3. Right. That's, but that's but the... it doesn't die to Lightning Bolt. So the, the 1 extra mana for not dying to Lightning Bolt is yeah. just better. I mean, it, I, like... I think within this cycle of like – and the other cards that sort of are related would be like Thorn of Amethyst and like Lodestone Golem. Right. And they're all, all kind of, of – yeah, they're all kind of like – they don't see a lot of play. Like you could try to build around them. I don't know. Another one for me was Expedition Map. Um, yeah, I had Expedition Map on my like – didn't even make it. but like it's definitely very strong it's one of the tron staples it just yeah it's super notable yeah. because there's not a lot of cards in magic's history I, we talked about this with scape shift but like most cards that search for lands historically all get basics land, not yeah. basic lands yeah, yeah almost land. there's like three or four there's like sylvan scrying there's like expedition maps scape shift i that might yeah. Weathered Wayfarer. There's right. like there's a few. There's, there's like a couple. A yeah. So it's yeah. it's whenever you like have one of those cards. The Reliquary. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, Ryan another one. Uh, invitational card. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> another one for you. It's. Do you have any other? No, ones? those are that, that was my, no. my end of my list. Jimmy, any? Uh, we had Frixian Metamorph. It's yeah, just yeah. One yeah. Of the most my list as well. That's, that's out there. good. Uh, but we also didn't put it on for the same reasons, Birthing Pod. Uh, and then we had Mimic Fat, Doubling Cube, uh, the Medallion Cycle, Torpor Orb. Torp Orb is on my notable honorables. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of really, like, the thing it's to really know, utility, and, and I, you know, I'm going to wrap have... up, I don't know if I mentioned to some extent, but, like, there are so many powerful sideboard artifacts. Right. Mm-hmm. That's more, like, Chalice of the Void. That's the last one. Like, I, that's the last one. Where, like, yeah. there are all these cards that are very good from the sideboard that, you know, that's kind of where artifacts kind of live in modern. And mm-hmm. even really legacy, like there are, you know, legacy, there's mud. In modern, there's Tron. In legacy, there's affinity. In modern, there's affinity. Like that's kind of where most of the artifacts live. It's not like vintage where you have these super overpowered artifacts that are just mm-hmm. balls the walls better than anything in the format. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that that covers our top ten artifacts section. I really am curious to know if you guys think that Spellskites is as good as I do and your other thoughts in general on the lists. <laughs> uh, <fun. laughs> All right, so... Before we get into the deck tech, I actually, we got some favorite artifact cards from our friends and friends on Twitter, um, so I'm going to shout out some of them. Uh, the one that, you know, we called out, we, we've talked about it, uh, Batter Skull was brought by uh, Vincent T at Vise4, V-I-S-F-O-R, Vincent. Um, he said Batter Skull, I agree. That's his favorite. Yeah, Vincent, I, I feel like that's obviously Super, one of the best card, ones Great card, yeah. There. Super um, 100% Top awesome. Deck Mage, at Top Deck Mage, uh, Darksteel Colossus. I had Blightsteel as one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a combo piece, but I also think right now it's just too weak to path. Yeah. I think the best, like, Agreed. one of the three of spells kills it. Um, and lastly, Rum Titan, at Mr. Blades. 
Ornithopter, one of my favorite cards. <laughs> almost put it as your number one card. Oh, yeah, almost, almost number one. Decided you just, you know, maybe not favor affinity cards too heavily on this right, list. Right, exactly. It was just going to be a busy <laughs> list. I was just going <laughs> to put all the cards in the deck. Just list cranial plating right. ten times. Yeah, ten times. <laughs> Um, so we are going to do a deck tech right now, and we are going to do a deck tech on an awesome brew. deck. Uh, to open up the new year, we're going to be doing brew yeah. time. So th- this is going to be kind of an interesting deck tech because basically this deck existed before the legend rule change. Uh, the original version of this deck, the deck that actually got taken to a PTQ with a full 15-card sideboard, the whole deal, and, and I was competitively testing. The newer version of this deck we are working on now, and there is a there's a pretty solid outline for what we have right now, and we will talk about that as well. So I think we should probably first talk about the idea for where it came from. So the concept for this deck originally came from trying to take advantage of the hunted creature cycle. And the hunted creatures were creatures that came out of Ravnica where they were uh, cheap, some somewhat. Their casting costs were cheap and they had strong effect creatures and they would give your opponent some number of tokens. So right. free blockers as it were. Well, yes. This is, this is this is what, you know, why it's called the hunted part of Hunted Handsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the handsome thing actually has nothing to do with the deck. I just well, my nickname in the Magic Community was, hun- was was Handsome Ben, which was the only reason. And somebody suggested I call it Hunted Handsome, and I, who was I to object? Yeah. <laughs> so Hunted Horror, the uh, the main card I guess is Hunted Horror. Yes. It's too black for a seven seven. You're like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Trample. Trample. When it comes into the play, when it comes into the play, when Hunted <laughs> Horror comes into play, put two three three green centaur green creature tokens with protection from black into play under target opponent's control. So the way that they designed these creatures was essentially they would get creatures whose power and toughness would, within the context of attacking and blocking, generally differ from yours by one point of damage. Mm-hmm. So with this creature, they could attack you for six, you could attack them for seven. So you, you would always come ahead with one point of damage. Right, or they could just chump block you all day for free. Yes, exactly. Uh, and you could still trample through for one damage. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the way they envisioned these creatures. The deck essentially plays this, and the other hunted creature uh, the, is cheap, which is the, the hunted, one. hunted phantasm, which is two blue and one colorless for a four-six unblockable spirit. When it comes into play, they get five one-one red goblin creature tokens. So the 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 concept of the deck was if you played leyline of singularity, <laughs> which makes all. I mean, what it comes down to you play you play cards up. That... For very efficiently let you get rid of the tokens across the board. Yes. Leyland Singularity mm-hmm. used to work because the legend rule used to be different. Um, you know, you also were playing Engineer Explosives, yep. which we talked about because it lets you get Fire rid of the tokens with, with value. Now that the, the, the rule has changed. Yeah. It's a little harder to make this work. Obviously, them still having one three three is not as good as them having zero three threes if you have a ley line. Um, it's it's just a little wonky. The, the, it played Deathrite Shaman back in the day. Deathrite's also banned, so the deck's totally different now. The newer version of the deck that I'm trying to play with now is much more aristocraty. Yeah, exactly. It's very aristocraty, and uh, and it is. Quick question: Can you torpor orb against this and stop it from giving stuff? Yeah, but yeah, that was another one of the that, that, that was, was another one of the cards. That uh-huh. I was playing. I'll mention yeah, that right yeah. now. Uh, so I like the, this deck. Yeah. So another another card that used to be included you could deal with was like you could try Ratchet Bomb as another version of essentially Engineered Explosives. You could try right. Torpor Orb to stop the ETB effects. The new version of the deck doesn't play... What? Sundial of the Infinite. Yeah, there was there was ways to try to do yeah. it, but most of them were do-nothing cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new version of the deck doesn't play the 7-7 anymore. And the reason it doesn't play the 7-7 is because you're trying to use... Uh, you're trying to use Illness in the Ranks, which is an enchantment for one black that creature tokens get minus one, minus one. Which which is really relevant. Token creatures. 
Yeah, right. and it's really relevant right now because of Delver lists and because you know pyro, young pyromancer is around and they're just a bunch of one one tokens. Mm-hmm. It's also good against lingering souls. So there's yeah. like it stops. It stops. There's value you get. It also stops splinter stops twin. Splinter twin. Yeah. Yeah. Combo. Right. So it has right. value beyond just I'm getting rid of the things I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. like oh, it also starts some of the most dangerous starts from other decks in the format. So when I was designing the original version of this deck, the the coolest interaction I thought was before I put Deathrite Shaman in the deck, my carded like card advantage. Card Advantage Engine didn't get me a card, it got me a Life Swing, and I played four Blood Artist with Forbidden Orchard, so that essentially once I had a Blood Artist in play and I made two Orchard tokens, the Singularity would just blow the tokens up and I'd get a Drain 2 every single time. And that was the that was the grindy end, end the game engine if the deck sort of stalled out. The new version of the deck tries to completely take advantage of that. Right, that's now the game plan. So what you do is you play Blood Artist, you play the Hunted Phantasm because it gives them five one ones. You play, uh, I'm right now thinking two copies of Hunted Troll, which is the green hunted creature. It's an mm-hmm. eight four troll for two green and two colorless that they get four one one flying fairies, and it can regenerate for one green. Uh, you're playing the same thing as far as the as far as the illness in the ranks. So you're giving them stuff and then wiping their board. That's the concept, right? right? Gotcha. Would you also be playing? Um, there's the white. I'm forgetting what it's called, but when a creature enters on your foot. Battlefield, you gain life, and yes. when a creature enters on their side of the battlefield, they lose life. Suture priest. Suture priest. That's the and other. That's the other two drops. So you play. Okay. You play four blood artist, and four suture priest. Right. So suture priest is is one in a white uh, for a one one that whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. So it's kind of a mini soul sister. Yep. Or a, a bigger soul sister. And, but it also has the ability, anytime a creature enters the battlefield on your opponent's side, they lose a life. So you're, again, your Forbidden Orchard gets even better, because not only do you get life when the creature dies, still in the ranks, you, they lose a life when right. it enters. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's the sort of thing you can curve Suture Priest into the 4-6 Unblockable Phantasm, and they lose five, and you gain one just by playing it. Mm-hmm. So the curve is really is, is interesting, and the nice thing is there's a little more redundancy in this version of the deck. It's less of a glass cannon that is depending on, like, a ley line of singularity that do anything important. And the nice thing about this deck is because you're anticipating gaining so much life between Blood Artist and Suture Priest, you can just Negate. play right. all the colors. So the, the, this deck, the, the version I'm playing right now, plays four City of Brass, uh, four Manic Confluence, four Forbidden Orchard, four Reflecting Pool. It's just, I'm going to play every card that I want right. to play. All of the gold cards. Yeah. So what we talked <laughs> about... the Blood Moon, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. What we talked about was uh, figuring out, other than Illness, which is a great card... What would be the best second effect? Because this time, I don't want to be trying to generate two creatures a turn with Forbidden Orchards and have to constantly engineer explosives. Right, right. And mm-hmm. Fire Spout's no good because it's going to wipe my one ones. So you need a more consistent, better effect that consistently makes it so any creature on their side dies. The most recent thing we came up with was trying to utilize Elish Norm with Unburial Rites, which is the classic Gifts Ungiven combo. Right. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to let Jimmy uh, read these cards real quick. Sure. So Elish Norn. Uh, actually, no, we'll start with Unburial Rites. Or Gifts and Given? Yeah. Oh, so we do whatever we want. All right, so Gifts and Given is a uh, historically very powerful card. Three in a blue for an instant. Search your library for up to four cards with different names and reveal them. Target opponent chooses two of those cards. Put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand. The second piece of this is that you Gifts Ungiven for, instead of four cards, two cards. One you of which was... fail the find. So the way searching right. works is, is if you search your deck for something, you are never forced to find anything because there's no way to prove that it's in your deck without your opponent searching through it. So the fix for that is just, oh, if you don't find it, you don't find it. So even though the, your opponent can see that there are other cards in your deck physically, they the way the rules are made is it, it allows you to just be like, oh, nope, there's only these two cards in my right. deck. 
Yeah. So, only two cards. <laughs> so you get to place Unburial Rites, which Jamie's going to read right now. It's a four in the black sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and you can also flash it back for three in the white, which is crazy because it's actually less. And you're getting, you're, the other card you're getting is Elish Norn. One of them is going to hit the graveyard, and one of them is going to get to your hand, right? Exactly. So you read Elish Norn. Well, no, they, they, they both go to the graveyard. Both, so Elish okay, Norn and Unburial Rites go to your graveyard, gotcha. and so then you, you can, can flash back. out for four right. mana. Uh, and Elish Norn is a seven drop, five and two white, for a four, seven Praetor legendary creature, Vigilant. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. So that's a board wipe for them immediately. The other card the in, in the place of Elish Norn we're considering is Massacre Worm, mm-hmm. which is three black, three colorless. When it hits the battlefield, all creatures get minus two, minus two. Yeah, but your opponents control dies. They lose two life, and the thing that's the why that's so great is because it's like a it's both parts of the combo on its own. Mm-hmm. It's like so a combo kill right there. When those creatures you know die, all the creatures you've given them they're losing two per. So you might get at five, you might get like five creatures, four creatures, eight, ten, twelve life out of Masker Worm hitting the table. It's a six five, as well. Right, if you think about it, the way the curve would go, and it it's a little loose, but you know you're playing Forbidden Orchard, which puts one ones into play on your opponent's control. And if you're just, by the t- turn f- five, which is when you'd be reanimating it, you've already given them at least four. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's eight damage just out of nowhere. And that's yeah. if they haven't played a creature. That's if your other cards that are meant to put creatures into play under the control aren't complete. So, like, four mana, get a six, six for eight damage seems decent. Yep. Their, their life total, if you think about modern as a format, that very likely their life total will be 17 starting because of a shock land and a fetch land. Right. So if you look at that, that's turn one, and you play like this this high number of uh, of like one ones for two, it's more than likely you'll have beat in for one or two damage, or you'll have given them creatures. So mm-hmm. their life total will probably be somewhere floating right around that like 14, 15, 16 range off maybe a blood artist drain or a suture right. priest. By the time you could get Masker Worm or Elish Norn in play, you may just win the game right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's almost combo-ish. The, the other cards that we have considered, and, and I think the reason that we like this deck is because Gifts Ungiven gives you this ability that you can either get the combo, or if you're missing certain pieces of your engine, you can just Gifts for value. Right. So, so you, like can, you can get, like, say there's you need a real board wipe, yeah. you can get one of each of the four board wipes in the format, or three mm-hmm. board wipes in a Snapcaster Mage to kind of, like, value it. Exactly. So you play one Engineered Explosive still, because it still can get rid of tokens, and you can get it with Gift. You play Noxious Revival, so that it's a green instant for uh, one green Phyrexian mana. Put target creature from your graveyard on top of your library, which you can get with Gifts as one of your cards. So if they put something you need in the graveyard, you can mm-hmm. just put it on top. Uh, you play Academy Ruins, so you can try to loop Engineered Explosives if you have to. There's a lot of kind of grindy mid-game in this deck. Hissing Iguanar and Bloodseeker become second copies of Sutra Priest's ability. Right. You can get Forbidden Orchard. You can get a copy of Vesuva if you need a second Forbidden Orchard. There, there's just a lot of things you can do with it. it mm-hmm. We haven't tested the deck yet. Wait, this is in it. Well, Ben took this to uh, GP San Diego, the older version, before the Legend Bowl changed up. And then this is... And we've mentioned it before, and so this is kind of us wanting to A... Explain it to you guys so that you know what it is so when we reference it in the yeah. future because then we'll reference it. And B, <laughs> you know, we've mentioned this before. We kind of want to bring a brew deck every six weeks or so kind of yeah. to the format and kind of go through it. And before we're done, we want to kind of bring it through what we think or how it would work against the gauntlet. Now, yeah. obviously, this is untested, so this could be completely different. might be completely wrong. And it's possible that in the six, you know, a couple weeks before now and us releasing this podcast, we'll test it a little bit more. And there will be a list below on rocketjump.com. So really quickly, but just before we finish, I'm just going to rattle off a couple other cards that are in here or in the sort of the sideboard just so you guys know where our heads are at. Uh, a couple other cards that are that are included right now. You play four Inquisition of Kozilek, so you have something else to do on turn one, just to be a little bit more disruptive. 
I have currently one copy of Reaper of the Wilds in the deck, really? which is a 4-5 for four that is currently in standard because every time one of the creatures dies, you can scry one, digging you closer to your engine. It's also, if you need a threat, you can protect, just attack for the win. You can give it hexproof. We also are playing a couple copies of Is It Charm so that if you draw one of these big creatures you don't want in your hand, you can loot. It's a counterspell. You guys nice. know Is It Charm. It's a good card. Uh, and beyond that, yeah, there, there's a handful of other cards that sort of do similar things. Altac Bloodseeker is a weird card that I sort of toyed with in this list. Golgari Charm, Rakdos Charm are interesting. I can see uh, I can see that card being much better than straight aggro build if you're really trying uh, to go for it. I love actually Golgari Charm in the list. Yeah. I think that's... I mean, the, I'm a big believer in charms. I think yeah. they're very powerful. And Golgari Charm does exactly what you need. It kills all their 1-1s, but it also kills problematic artifacts enchantments to kill birthing pod and if yeah. you can kill birthing pod that's great <laughs> well, yeah rakdos charm is interesting for the same reason because if right. they have six one ones you can make it do six, six damage yeah, exactly and like it also can sometimes just get their graveyard as no well. their graveyard but birthing pod opponents not yeah. birthing pod um you can sometimes get uh splinter twin opponents they go infinite and you kill them at yeah. instant speed with the yeah right right because you one day um, so that's nice you kind of get double value with rakdos charm if you don't right, exactly. get their guys and then so, kill them for more yeah so, speaking of uh, other decks that you play against, do you want to kind of get into yeah, the we Gauntlet? Yeah, we can get into the Gauntlet here. Right, so, cool. so, first, Blue-Red Delver, the big bad of the format. Yeah, it, it's this is an interesting one against Blue-Red Delver because you're going to take a lot of damage off your lands early, and if they counter the right spells, if they know what you're doing... My fear here is their ability to kill Suture Priest and um, Blood, Artist. Blood Artist. Because your main life gain engine, which, if you start gaining the life, yeah. shuts them out, is very weak to Lightning Bolt. Luckily, you play Illness in the Ranks in the main deck. Right, which, which does help and does buy you time because then you really only have to worry about Delver's Secrets and um, physical copies of Young Pyromancer, not the tokens it makes, but the actual body, Yeah, and maybe Snapcaster Mage. The, I think the other interesting, you, the interesting thing you have here against them, and this is the reason we put it in the deck, honestly, if you exhaust their mana and their counterspells early by playing a bunch of things they think they need to get rid of, you really actually might just be able to resolve gifts birthing or gifts into Elishnorn. Right. And if you resolve gifts into Elishnorn, they're probably going to lose. They right. probably they have, have no way to deal with that card. If, yeah. So that's it's that's the same reason that um, the Rhino is Siege Rhino is so good against them. Yeah. And why Birthing Pot is still good is because Siege Rhino was printed and Junk and that card is any toughness over four yeah. just it starts becoming a huge problem with them. And if you gain life off of value or you start wiping their board, it's just good. Same really even for the demon where you'll wipe their board that one time, give drain them for a bunch of life, and then have a 6-6 six, six that they have to deal with. Yeah, you might even want to consider, I, I suppose it's possible, uh, Boseju, right? That's the Boseju, one that... Yeah. 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 It allows you to play an instant or sorceries uh, from your hand for an extra mana, and it cannot be countered. Not one extra mana, you lose two life, but it doesn't... Um, oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, just, just another way for you to lose life in your own deck, which right. is great. great. So we're trying to do That's here. what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> so that would be the first matchup. Uh, Birthing Pod, I think you just lose. I, it's a hard. It's hard for me to imagine being. I think you have to combo them out. I, I think this is where Gifts is going to shine. I think your sideboard plan probably needs to be a little tweaked towards yeah. Birthing Pod. Not matchups. to mention your surprise factor of this deck. I think would would get you. The other thing, like game. you probably run a couple Torpor Orbs on the side, and Torpor Orbs decent against Birthing Pod. Yeah. There's a lot of problems they have with that card. Um, it doesn't stop their main combo win, but maybe you just have to kind of combo them out first and gain value over them. It is interesting to think that because of the old version of this deck that played Hunted Horror, right? You actually quite possibly could have a sideboard plan that almost switches into the old version where if you are against the deck that is going to, I don't it know. Depends if it's good. I don't know how good Hunter Horror even the two drop one is against Birthing Pod. What you right. really need to consider yeah. is like how good like how to beat them and I think just you have a great sideboard plan. 
Because yeah. you have gifts. And so you're going to be very versatile against them. And stuff like Elishorn is still great against against Pod. Even it's, Angel Pod, it's still going to like be a brick wall for them. It's quite possible that, yeah, your sideboard is going to include five or six cards that beef your gift pl- gifts plan up right. and cut a lot of the redundant... Well, plus you have tutorable board wipes. And yeah. you know, there, there's definitely game plans you have against the deck. So that's um, interesting. Junk... Kind of the same thing, but I think you're just better. You're better positioned. Like yeah, the I problem think so with, too. Like, this is a deck that probably has a problem with another ability, but decks that don't have that, right. you have a much better game plan against. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, there's also another thing I've sort of thought about with this deck is that so many of the things that you're playing in the deck, uh, that all your one ones, you can you they have like they're all cheap and right. kind of versatile. So you might be able to play one of those cards like the new one, the uh, two white and X. Uh, return all creatures with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Right, if you don't have too many spells. The other thing, I think the big win here is that they play Lingering Souls, and that's great for you. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, burn, your, it depends how well this deck gains life. We don't know this for sure. Your yeah. lands are super painful, and if you can't get the life game plan going, it's going to be a huge problem. So I think Burn could be a problem, because they can just go quickly and beat you. Right. But I think that if you can mitigate your life total in some way, and maybe that's a reason not to play all of the colors, or play your colors a little less yeah. aggressively, right. it'll... That's gonna depend. That's gonna define your matchup here. Yeah, and that's that's the, honestly one of the most problematic things about the idea right now is that to get all the, the everything you want out of this deck, you have to play too many colors. Right. And to do that, you're gonna play these lands. So it maybe we adjust the mana base, and it's actually not as crazy as we think, and you can actually get that mana without taking as much damage, which would make right. the deck better. We're not really sure. We'll get there. Uh, ascendancy is horrible. I yeah, think horrible you, just I mean, you just lose. Lose. You are playing for. I think the thing with ascendancy is that this card is not gonna be legal and. In literally a month after us releasing this podcast, yeah, it's two months away from right now. But like when this is coming out, the ban list announcement is soon. Yeah, and I, I think Ascendancy is a deck that if it doesn't get banned, huge problem. And you're, I, there's I don't know what I think you have. This is another kind of like Birthing Pod. Just your sideboard plan has to be, be super for this. good. Yeah, I think this is a thing that Golgari Charm you win a lot of value on. Yeah, I think being able to kill artifacts or enchantments. Yeah. is really important in this matchup, so that's helpful, and it just kind of goes out as it goes. Yes, and, and the current the current list has three slots for Is It Charm, which maybe just become other charms, we're not really right. sure. Ascendancy, also, it's noted, we're playing four copies of Inquisition in the main deck. If we can afford the life, you might want to play Dotsies instead, which you probably can't afford the life now. It's better against other combo decks, but you are able to get Ascendancy out of their hand. Yeah, Inquisition is good. Because it gets rid of Ascendancy. Uh, and the um, last list, the, oh yeah, go ahead. Escape Shift. Escape Shift. Last list. Yeah, Inquisition's not good against that. Well, I think I think the Scapeship matchup is all about do you gain enough life and or do you kill him fast enough? If it's I, we have to test it, but I think it's possible this deck kills faster than than Scapeship does, and if it doesn't kill faster, then it definitely has the possibility to gain enough life to get out of range. Agreed. Yeah, and I mean, uh, some decks that aren't prepared and don't see it coming, you will just beat them with Massacre Worm. You'll right. just win. Right. Uh, and that's that's the that's really an interesting. When we do test this, we need to kind of see quite how low you can get their life total. Right. Uh, because if it's going to get them to four, or it's going to get them to six on average, it's not worth it. But if you have that plan to, to get off on turn five and it just wins, then we've got ourselves a deck. Right. So that's kind of it for the brew right now. We'll, unless you have, do you have anything else? No, no. The okay. thing I, I want though is because this is a work in progress, if you guys listen to this and you think it sounds like a cool idea or you want to talk about it, um, I come up with weird ideas and, and harass Kessler while he's working all the time and make right. him talk to me on the phone about them. So if you... <laughs> You know, tweet at me. Tweet I, at us. Uh, you can also comment on rocketjumps.com in the comments. Yes. We love getting comments there and encourage you to do so. And that's where the list will be posted. So you can kind of see the list and kind of throw your opinions out there and see how wrong or right we are with what we're trying to do here. 
Okay, so that's kind of it for today. Uh, you know, we want to thank Jimmy for uh, coming, joining us. You're very welcome. Sorry that, you know, we didn't, I don't know, I have no apology. Yeah, you shouldn't apologize, apologize to me. I had a nice time learning about more modern cards that I knew about, but not as well as I know now. Right, and, you know, always remind you guys, and Jimmy can remind yourself, the command ca command zone is the thing. <laughs> The command zone is It would probably help you if you didn't write command cast on the breakdown every single <laughs> know, week right? to get the it's name right. All right I'll, I'll do the plug. If you guys are interested in EDH, Elder Dragon, Highlander, or Commander, and you want to learn more about the game, or if you're just a straight spike and was like, what's the deal? Why do people play this silly stuff? Check out the command zone. It's our podcast. I hosted it with Josh Lee. Kwai has also been on this podcast. And uh, I don't know, we, we, we take a semi-spiky uh, approach to it. We definitely talk about ways to win and uh, more specifically how to politic your way around the table and stuff. And we just had... I think it's um, a good resource for people that don't... Classically don't like EDH because mm -hmm. there are politic issues or the reasons they don't like yeah. it. You guys do a good job at addressing the reasons that someone that generally would be competitive may like EDH if they yeah. play this certain way or they're prepared to play this certain way. Yeah, we just had BDM on and we've had uh, Marshall from Limited Resources. So we've had a lot of good guests and a lot of good topics and a lot of good discussions. So check us out. We're also on the podcast page at rocketjump.com slash podcasts. Um, so, you know, as always, you can follow all of us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. I am uh, Ben Bateman Media on every single uh, one of my social media platforms now. So Twitter and Instagram, Ben Bateman nice. Media. Find me. And now I am at JF Wong on almost everything. And, you know, we collectively are at the MM cast, though I hope you already knew that and have been tweeting us this whole time. Crazy, yeah, fun, right. brew I ideas. I while artifacts. you were listening to this in your car. Yeah. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. No, tweet while you're <laughs> listening, just not while you're driving. Yes, exactly. Don't don't text and drive or tweet and drive. Oh, and for the record, we talk about uh, how, how awesome Video Game High School is every week. I watched it. It's great. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think that Jimmy's awesome, and that's yeah, so good. I caught, I caught the uh, the shout out at the end of last week's episode. I think, and I was like, "Oh, you guys are making me warm and fuzzy on the inside." So yeah, all much the fuzzies. Yeah, all the fuzzies. I saw it on a Virgin America airplane flight. Yeah, it, was, that will happen. Yeah. Pretty I was, crazily so. Really fun. So, so yeah, that, you know, remember to comment below your your hunted handsome ideas, tweet at us your favorite artifacts and uh, brew ideas, and we'll see you guys next week. If anybody starts a Twitter account uh, at hunted handsome and you just tweet from it, I'll follow it and I, I'll look, I'll give you a play mat. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll buy yeah, one. Yeah. The first person to get uh, at hunted handsome gets a uh, official play mat man, from I'm doing the, all the these podcast right now. I want a podcast. If, if Jimmy mat. does it, he doesn't get one though. Oh man. All yeah. right, fine. All right, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. See you guys. Enjoy Fate Reforged spoilers, because we currently are waiting for them. <laughs> Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.